Welcome everyone to episode 75 of the Bodybuilding Down Under podcast. Thanks for joining myself and your usual hosts for yet another weekly discussion of all things bodybuilding. And uh, it's getting to that time now where not only is our season here in Australia coming to a, uh, a close in the coming weeks, but also we're nearing the Olympia as well. So last week, I think, oh, sorry, last year we did our predictions each and I think we wrote them down, but let's just do a bit more of a laid back kind of come up with our top three collectively, maybe for uh, bikini and bodybuilding and classic. So DY, I'll let you kind of, who are you, who have you got on your card for the top three for bikini? Oh, top three for bikini. <clears throat> I think Jen's probably going to be in there. Um, I think actually Issa will probably be actually up in the top three. Like I think the improvements that she made at some of the previous shows, um, like she's definitely shaped up and her physique looks a lot better than what it has in previous years. And I don't realistically think you can count out like a previous Olympian as well. Mm -hmm. Um, so probably Jen Issa, I think will probably be in the top three and that mm, last great, one, I would say, yeah, she, she's definitely up there as well. Mm. I'd probably say like, those are like, you know, three it's a, you, you don't really know what you're getting, but from what I've seen recently and the improvements that she's made, I definitely think she could be uh, a little bit of a wild card because mm. yeah. I guess mm. bikini is probably the most unpredictable out of out of classic bodybuilding and mm. bikini. I think the top six are extremely close and so many of them, like, you know, if one of them's off, like, you know, one or two of them jump up there. And like, you've even like got the likes of like Phoebe as well, who placed extremely well on her first ever Olympia um, debut. And it's like, you know, she makes the refinements needed in the off season, you know, and she was already looking, she, she was already in the top 10, like, and she has the potential to definitely creep up there into like the top five, if not even higher, depending on how she shapes up. I think uh, Jen is coming in a little bit softer. Like they like her look slightly softer rather than that harder look uh, last year. So, you know, obviously she's what she wanted two years ago. Maureen won it last year. So yeah, I guess anything could happen, right? Yeah. And that's just how close it is. Like, you know, one person comes slightly off and they like another person's shape, like, you know, then next thing you know, the O's missing. And the, but like, you know, Maureen, she like ended up losing the Arnold not too long ago. Obviously she came a little bit off for it. But like, you know, when you think about that, like how often do you see a Mr. O like, you know, lose at the uh, Arnold or like, you know, come second place to someone that, you know, they pretty much smoked, I guess, somewhat mm -hmm. to an extent on the Olympia stage. Yeah, I feel like for Bikini Olympia, they don't have quite as much qualms with, changing it up a lot whereas for bodybuilding and and classic i feel like they like to keep the winner sturdy and it, it you have to very solidly beat the winner of classical bodybuilding to to become the olympian mm. what do you guys think i think it's a little bit more straight cut though with like the open bodybuilding winner like you can really probably tell especially when you're there as a judge like who's probably like you know really taking it like it's pretty much the biggest and the shredded guy up there where the bikini is like you can be too hard you can be too soft you can be too big you can be too small bodybuilding is straightforward who's the fucking biggest guy on stage and who's the most shredded guy on stage I'll let you judge, judge this year's olympia then if it's that easy yeah 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 put me in that front row like and, and let's have a look at it but like that's more or less like how it goes like 
And even the same goes for like classic physique as well. Like, you know, you have some of these guys that are pushing the upper echelon of the weight cap where, but with the classic physique, it's a lot more symmetry and like the muscularity and the shape compared Mm -hmm. to, I guess, the open, which is just the biggest guy. Yeah. I think for moving on to bodybuilding, I think two that come to mind would be uh, Samson and Derek. Those would be, I think Samson definitely has a lot more height on Derek, which um is in his favor but i mean if you guys have seen derek's uh the amount of mass he's added since last year is just absolutely incredible i think going into the off season knowing that he doesn't have to worry about a weight cap anymore like you know i think he was throwing it up in the air a little bit is he going to do 212 or not where now he knows full-blown that like i have the potential to win the olympia i think he's you know, really put the foot down. And yeah, I think he's definitely one to be looking out for. And I agree with Samson as well. Some crazy, crazy improvements. And he's got so, so much potential. Mm. And I guess you have to mention Hardy as well, because he won last year. Do you think Rami is sort of, I wouldn't say past his prime. Definitely, definitely not. But that sort of freakishness about him is not so kind of prominent anymore, don't you think? It's almost like it's lost. He's kind of not lost that edge, but I guess all of the other competitors on stage are kind of looking pretty freakish as well. Yeah. And there are some big boys on that stage as well that are somewhat, you know, close to kind of rivaling, rivaling that, um, you know, his, his kind of mass on stage. What do you guys think? I think the, you know, the Olympia very much moves in waves. You know, you had like the big mass monster era and then the person who sort of broke the chain was Flex, like Flexitron or Sean Roden, rest in peace. But like, you know, he brought a package that, yes, maybe he wasn't as big as Phil in 2018, but then that kind of ushered in, at least for a little bit, like the slight move back to aesthetics. But then, you know, when Rami is just so big, even though he doesn't have enough, well, he doesn't have as much aesthetics, but he had just enough and so much size that it sort of shifted it back there. But I feel like now that we've gone for someone like Hardy, the guys who have a bit more shape, I feel are coming back into the the mix. So like when you talk about the favorites, I mean, yes, we're still talking about guys that are like 130 kilos on stage. But if you think about Samson, Derek Lunsford, even to an extent like Nick Walker, and then guys who are a little bit more on the fringe of like the top six, maybe like an Andrew Jack or a Hunter Labrada, like we've got guys now that like, are looking a lot closer to you know, those like late 90s bodybuilders where yes, they're enormous, but the waistlines are a lot more in check. So I feel like, I I just don't think that Rami's really going to have a sniff in. I feel like the Olympia has almost moved on. And I think it's one of those things where there's a reason why there is only a couple examples of guys who have lost and then won one back. You know, it's what only Jay Cutler and Arnold, perhaps. Um, Maybe not even Arnold. So it's not easy to do. And I don't feel like Rami's, I think he's, he's done. Mm, you've heard it here first. I but guess we'll I do think like <laughs> we'll my, find out, I guess. Hey, I'm extremely excited to see Samson. It's probably who I'm most excited for, but also Andrew Jack, man, like Andrew Jack is probably got one of the most pleasing physiques in the IPB right now. Like, I just think, you know, someone with his amount of size, but to still just have such an aesthetic look, like, man, I, I'd love to see that being the new benchmark for the Open because, man, it's a absolutely stunning physique. Mm, I feel like that almost brings back the sort of Sean Roden look. You know what I mean? Like that sort of... Yeah, like... I, I would say Andrew Jack is probably a bit bigger for, for sure. But 
I mean, oh, Sean definitely, Marin but it's like big, that was a big box wheeler. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah, yeah, exactly right. So, mm. yeah, it is interesting how it does sort of a bit of a circle. And then I guess we have classic. So, Seabum, I think I would have Ramon up there again. And I guess there's a I'd couple. Say Urs, man. I want to yeah. see the miracle bear pull pull it off. Yeah, I I would have him in the top five for sure. Mm. But like, there's also the um the uh, Arnold uh, enthusiast. What's his name? Wesley Wesley Ver. Wesley Visses, yeah, the man with the yeah. most symmetrical physique on the planet. Dude, mm. yeah, but... a ridiculous physique. And then you can't count out Terence. Yes. Yeah. Of course. He's I feel like he's, he's just never going to. I don't think he's tall enough. That's yeah, the thing. Like, I, agree. I think classic, like all the boys are tall. I think a more interesting bit of speculation is, do you think that if Seabum wins the fifth, do you think he hangs it up? Do you think he's done? No, I, I don't think so. No. no. I think he's going to try and get get, get the streak going as long as possible. Um, I've been watching more of his content than any other Olympia and I've been enjoying it. I think especially hearing more about his backstory and, some of the uh, mental struggles that he's uh, on, that he's um, powered through. There was a podcast, I think, on Modern Wisdom, I believe, um, which was a lengthy interview with him, which was which was awesome. But I think looking at his, watching his YouTube videos now, like he, it, of course, it's hard to assess in someone's own gym, but he's looking like he's um, trumped last year's physique um, quite comfortably. I guess he would have had a full off season with. Um, is it Harney? Yeah, Harney or Embod, yeah. So, whereas I think, I don't believe he had the full off-season with Harney last time. When you think about a coach like Harney, like, it's all well and good to say, like, okay, FST7, and he's got these, like, Evagen supplements, and it's like, okay, whatever. But, like, what do you actually think it is about a coach like that? Like, do you think it's really training principles, or, like, do you think that Harney Rambod is just, like, Walter White when it comes to gear like do you think there is just an element to like these top end coaches are just gurus when it comes to the pharmaceuticals like you know Johanny Rambods, Patrick Tua, Matt Jansen, Chad Nichols guys like that like I always wonder like especially Harney because man the, the amount of Olympias like you know the bloke's got more Olympias that he's probably forgotten about than most people will ever get so I, I wonder what it is with those top guys yeah, it's hard to say. Hey, like I, I actually don't know much about uh, his uh, like coaching coaching methods in terms of the things he tracks with his athletes, like his systems, you know, things like that. So, I mean, it's only it's only the things you see in terms of the training videos, right? Where he might be standing next to to Seabam or Hardy or something like that, assisting with with their training sessions. So I feel like it's for me, it's personally really hard to know, um, you know, the type of coach he is in terms of. Uh, the systems and principles and all that sort of stuff that's you know potentially behind the scenes that is just not shown in a lot of those you know those training videos and things like that right um i mean the proof is in in the result i guess right really at the end of the day right i mean if you were doing things incredibly incorrect i guess you probably wouldn't produce some of the best athletes in the world in terms of the ifbb so mm. yeah yeah, I think that after, again, watching some videos, like he does say some questionable things while Seabum trains, like one that comes to mind, Seabum's doing like the belt squat and uh, Hani says, oh, we want to keep tension on the quad. So like avoid knee flexion, like don't don't go all the way down because that's going to take tension off the quads when we know that more knee flexion equals more tension on the quad. So 
um, and and just kind of the lack of accuracy around like the the high days and the refeeds and stuff. But yeah, obviously, as you said, the proof is in the end result. I feel I think, like when think... you're almost dealing with the genetic elite, like you know, maybe maybe those things can be sort of missed or skipped yeah. you know and and it's really the, the the kind of like the the lowest hanging fruits that if you prioritize that you know intensity within your training uh you know controlled nutrition in terms of the deficit in which you create and and then an established timeline and i guess in the case of the ifbb you know the appropriate pharmaceuticals it's like you get majority of those things right you probably do vastly better than someone who you know, nails every single aspect to the T 100% and knows everything around training principles, nutrition, et cetera. But, you know, I, I guess at the end of the day, like, you know, top tier bodybuilding is really a sport of job of the genetic elite, right? Mm. I mean, it's, it's, it's shit to say that, but you know, at that level, that's kind of what it is. Yeah, indeed. And yeah, I agree. I forgot what I was going to say. Someone let DY cook. He's been trying to say something. <laughs> no, 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 no. <laughs> like, the stove's cold now. It's fucking oh. cold. Nah. But uh, like with Annie, it's like you can't have that much success and have had it winged. Like the man knows his shit. I've even seen stuff when he's like talking to like C-Bum. I can't remember which video it was, but it was a while ago. And he's like, he, he said something like, I can't believe you weren't even tracking your water in preparation, like in an actual contest prep. So he has them like tracking everything. Like, you know, even though there might be a little bit more flexibility in terms of like the high days, I don't know how they go about it, but it seems like almost in that high level it enhanced scene, a lot of them just have the high days. I've been watching a bit of Jeremy Bundia and like his coach actually has him experimenting with like more higher, like, you know, um, what are they like five guys and stuff like that, where like he'll have them having certain meals, but they'll guess the macros to the point where the macros are still correct. But um, yeah, like somewhat correct. Like, you know, you roughly guesstimate it, but it might've, might've changed a little bit. And a lot of them get away with it. Like, um, and it could be because of obviously the pharmaceutical side as well, where like, that fat gain and water retention might not be as high when you're running extremely high amounts of drugs. Um, so I don't know the ins and outs, like what he would, but like, there's no doubt in my mind that this guy knows pretty much 99% of probably like the training, the nutrition and the drug side of things. And he's been working with such high level athletes for so long. Not only that, one thing that's very slept on as a coach is the actual care factor. You know, you see this guy messaging all of his athletes all the time. He's hanging out with every single one of them. Like I've seen him so many times with Derek, with Hattie, um, like, you know, and even Seabum as well. Like he literally creates an entire bodybuilding camp leading into these preparation, like into these preps with all of his athletes. And it's like, when you're that hands-on, you care that much about their success. You also know so much as well. Um, I think it's paramount to the success that they have. Mm, I mean, what to do? I was just going to... <laughs> oh, this is a mess, lads. You go, DC. I've just been an idiot. <laughs> I was just going to say, like, I've watched a few of C-Mom's videos and there's times where, you know, like he'll, he'll get the ketchup out and he just like free, free pour it, you know, basically free squirt it onto his, onto his meal in the morning. And I'm thinking, oh, I didn't track that. Like you should have, you know, you should have tracked that realistically. Right. But, you know, I guess some of those small intricacies, like if you keep things the same amounts, you do, you know, relatively similar amounts and you're still creating an overall caloric deficit and it's just you know, not getting ridiculous with volumes and things like that, you know, I mean, I hate to say it, but you probably could get away with that stuff. You know what I mean? Um, so again, these are just like the the small minutiae, which, you know, I guess if you get those large things right, 
you know, they're, they're the most important things. But I would say even those one percenters count too, right? Like you, enough one percenters added up, you know, might equal 5%. Yep. Mm. Speaking of extremely large individuals, such as those who would be competing at the Olympia, did you see that um, Jordan Peters and James Holling said uh, opening up a gym together? It's like the train by JP slash the shed training facility or whatever somewhere in england like they've got this big warehouse and they're just going to be like filling out with all sorts of kit that would be a uh fantastic mm. place to visit man like that uk if you're doing a uk trip you'd skip the big ben skip the london bridge and mate you just do a gym tour honestly mm. like there's just that many gyms there that look out of this world like oh man that's what dreams are made of yeah that and uh, ultra effects for sure um mm. Yeah, uh, man, I reckon, I don't think I've seen a gym, like, there's a couple in America, like, Destination Dallas looks crazy, but I reckon, like, Ultraflex looks like one of the best gyms in the world, let alone yeah. the UK, I reckon, like, it just, and even now, they're, like, they've just, like, upgraded it again, because I've seen on some of, like, the um, NBW videos, and also, like, you know, like, Thorburn and, and AJ's stories and stuff, like, man, it just it always looks like it's something new. Like it's just constantly getting added to. It's just ridiculous. Imagine how much, like if you added up all that equipment, it would, I mean, would millions of pounds be outside? Like, do you reckon? A hundred percent would be it'd, like that gym right there would be, that would definitely Insane. have over a million for sure. No, no doubt in my mind that it would have over a million pounds worth of equipment. You think? I mean, like the currency. Uh, yeah, I reckon it would be close. <laughs> no, no, I'm joking. I did no, I definitely think it would be like over a million. Once you add up all that equipment, like even a majority, like like obviously just the difference prime in alone. Yeah, yeah. In prime alone. Well, even think of the powerhouse south side, like, you know, when you've actually added up all that equipment, like, you know, and everything that they've done, like within the, I guess the actual facility, like, you know, that would probably need nearly be a million Australian dollars. So then, you know, you times that by three, which is probably what they've got over in that gym. Like, you know, there's no doubt that, and not only that as well, the equipment's a hundred percent better over there. Um, they have a far more vast selection of equipment that they can have, like all the prime set up so many different hack squats, fuck of uh, what the Cybex hack squat alone is worth probably like six, $7,000. So it's like, you know, to have a, they got two of them boys. Exactly. And then to have like the Mark one version, which you can't even get anymore, try and find someone selling those. Um, yeah. Yeah, Imagine how hard it would be to program. Like you program <laughs> oh, for yourself. Mate. You're like, oh my God, I want to use this, 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 this. You got like 18 exercises for day two of your, your lower body. Day. One set of each. <laughs> yeah, which, yeah, yeah. Which, version, which version of the Cybex hack squats am I running? Am I running the 1950s one, the 1960s? I can just cut the whole array. Mm. Obviously, but, you would just run the top set on one and the back off set on another. 100%. You'd keep that consistent across the block naturally. But no, I think, um, mate, like it's making me keen DY for, for Bev Francis because I watched like a little like Samson. He did like a New York tour last year. It was on the Hostile YouTube channel. Mm. And like some of the sessions he was hitting in Bev's, like, man, some of the kit there is just like stuff that I wouldn't even think of. Some of yeah. it looks terrible but some of it also looks unreal like oh, i can't they, wait man they got some really interesting machines there but i must say just like the vibe of it is like just ridiculous like you're sitting there and you're training with like sadiq's right next to you i remember arash is sitting there the classic competitor with his like full-on hoodie headphones over the hoodie and he's just literally just screaming he's just all by himself in the corner of the gym just 
absolutely thumping a chest press. I was like, holy shit, this guy don't give a fuck. Yeah, Sadiq's um, going to be there like under the hoodie and he's going to be like, far out. Is, is, that, is that Dan Yates? Damn. <laughs> exactly right. that is him that in the D-Y flesh? Yeah. That D-Y fit? And I sent him a like, message. No, nah, it's D-Y fat. It follows the food <laughs> page from back in the day. Too many Joy. Levain cookies, man. Came in looking a bit too, too full. Sure, you've got to beat the five plate deadlift while you're over there as well. Straight up, mate. I was actually thinking about that because I was like, far out. I wonder what I could do like first day back having not deadlifted in like a year. Like part of me is like, you know, I did RDL for a bit, but now I haven't done that for a while. So it's like, what level is like, okay, Lawrence, don't be silly, Mm. but still have some fun. Like I'm very confident that I could pull like 180 for like a decent, like high-ish rep set. I reckon I could do 200. But... Don't worry, man. Me and Joe will make sure you keep it real modest. I've also yeah. got my chin strap as well for like when you need me to assist you on it. Tip the neck, neck back. Yeah. Pull them up. Pull them up. <laughs> Joe spotting you from the back. Yeah, exactly. Gotcha. Naturally. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm um, moving on to some other news. We were having a discussion off air about whether we, we keep um, – bodybuilding down under to Australia or whether we um, mentioned some results from other countries. And I think where we decided to opt for generosity and, and mention some, uh, some names from across, across the, uh, what ocean separates Australia and New Zealand? I think it's the Tasman Strait. Tasman Strait. There we go. So um, this is from the ICN New, uh, ICN New Zealand nationals. And we're going to read out a few names here. So men's physique winner and pro card winner was Shane Gordon. And uh, Miss Figure was Michelle Hellyer. Apologies if I mispronounce any of these names. And they're actually partners, in fact. So um, congratulations to them both, both winning pro cards, uh, which is awesome. And then men's fitness, we have Srihari Mohan. And then Miss Bikini, we have Jamie Whittington Wary. So um, congratulations to those winners. And I'm sure some of them might be coming across to the Oceania show, which will be kind of compartmentalized with the ICN nationals here in Australia. So um, never heard of it. (laughs) No, I've never heard of Oceania either. Yeah. Um, Apparently you can't even sign up online. You have to kind of, it's all done by paper these days, I think. Yeah, my um my mail entry, I don't know if it made it in time. I'm going to have to send Lassiano a text message and see what's going on. Yeah, I don't think he does text. I think you're going to have to send him a a letter or something. I thought it was yeah. message via owl. Didn't you have to write like a in parchment and like you Yeah, know, mate. Hedwig you know. is just barreling down the M1 at the moment trying to get down <laughs> Melbourne for me. It's actually a little bit insulting. Jack doesn't think that Lawrence has his direct line of contact, you know. Yeah, mate, come on. Orange I have all these guys strings. on speed dial, baby. Yeah, exactly. Who do you think funds the show? Mm. Big bodybuilding. That's who. Big bodybuilding physio. Yeah, Don't cut big, yourself short. Not to be confused with um, Big Pharma. They uh, they sponsor some other bodybuilding podcasts, though. So, so uh, something about you, Lawrence, actually, to continue on, on, on a separate topic, actually. You had a polygraph done on Sunday. So that was would have been your first polygraph ever from from our knowledge. Maybe you've had one with relation up. to bodybuilding, yes. Yes, that was my my thoughts. So yeah, what what can you say about that? How did it go? 
Yeah, it was, it was pretty good, man. It was a, they were running a bit late, but I had the pleasure of speaking to one Joshua Wall outside while we waited, which was uh, nice. Obviously, DC's boy. And My boys. It was pretty good, man. Like, I, you know, I, I didn't really know what to expect or like know exactly how it was going to run. But essentially, you pull up, they make you like read through the full like band substance list and, you know, sign and acknowledge that you haven't taken any of it. And then, once they How get long you in is the that room, list, because there's quite a few banned substances. Oh, mate, it's so long. Like, yeah, I mean, I but I took the time to read through every single substance and ensure that I knew that I did not have it. Obviously, because I read through the entire list. And the the main thing is like you get in the room, they sort of explain what's going on, and then initially to get like a baseline, they they give you they sort of like get you to the point where you admit that you've told a lie before so like they ask you have you ever broke a rule so they might ask you like have you gotten a speeding fine or have you you know looked at your mobile phone while driving or something like that so like they establish that okay you have broken a rule before in your life so if i ask you in the test have you ever broken a rule and you say no it should be a lie and then they also ask you you know you sort of have a chat about okay, is there any point in your life where you've told a lie to prevent yourself from getting in trouble? And you might think of an example, like I had one from my childhood. So that, you know, when they ask you that, okay, cool, you can lie. So they essentially want to see what your physiology does when you do lie. So you sit on like this little mat, they put like a, a cuff around your arm. Um, I asked her if I could get a BFR set of tricep extensions down whilst it was there. She said, no, <laughs> um, they didn't even have a, a cable stack in the room though so that's fair Poor and then they also yeah i mean a bit of a joke mate bit of an amateur hour and then they put like some things on your fingers as well um and then yeah they do a test her she actually said to me like okay it's actually quite obvious when you lie um which i suppose is a good thing because i guess it's you can never go one of two ways yeah mate it's just completely foreign to me you know it's uh no no lie as they say in the drake song um but yeah she said it was pretty obvious and then she was like yep okay the test's over and essentially they just keep repeating asking you the question of like have you ever broken a rule have you ever lied to stop yourself from getting in trouble and then you're supposed to lie during those ones and then they ask you have you ever taken any of the WMBF banned substances um have you ever broken any of the WMBF rules of terms or whatever and then they ask you another couple like baseline ones like do you drink water and like, do you live in Brisbane or something like that? So it's, they just sort of do that for a few minutes and then you're all done. And then I think it was like two days after that, I um, got the email that I'd failed. So yeah, uh, perfect. The question it flagged on though was, do you drink water? Yeah, yeah, no. Um, they uh, just yeah, couldn't get past that trend. one, man. I was yeah. like, it's just cordial. Yeah, but well, no, I got specific the... enough because you're dehydrating yourself right now, right? So exactly, I said to her, "What do you mean in the past 14 days or ever or you know?" Yeah, uh, but no, I got the email from uh, our guy Sebastian to say that I had indeed passed, which is is tremendous. So now, you know, mate, whether it's being questioned by the uh, the secret service of a, of an unnamed country or by WMBF, I'm two for two for passing polygraphs, baby. Um, it was interesting though, because she mentioned that how she got into it. Um, cause she's like, Oh, this is the first time I've done it for like a bodybuilding show. Most of my work in this area is around, um, like relationship trust issues. Mm. And I was like, damn, like 
I mean, I don't want to offend anyone and the listeners, but if you're taking your partner into a polygraph, surely that's that the writing's on the anyway. wall. You know what I mean? Like, damn, that's tough. How far, how, how deep is that hole at that stage? <laughs> Dude, yeah. But she had a two for one going. So booked me and Gemma in. Uh, that's what we're doing next weekend, which would be good. Maybe we'll have to do a polygraph, all four of us on Zoom. Answer a few questions. Yeah, no, it should be good. This next one's for you, DY. And someone's been dying to know why Jasmine Rice is the go-to rice for bodybuilders. So let's put this uh, question asker out of their misery and and answer answer it for them. Well, I don't know, because I'm kind of a Basmati boy. So uh, I don't know, maybe I've been mixing it up a little bit uh, i've been going the wrong route what, what is the secret behind the jasmine you know yeah I, I i haven't thought too much about this question like nutritionally i don't really see any difference between jasmine and and basmati pretty much the exact same macronutrients yeah from same, what i've seen sort of gi same macros i'm so actually a, a basmati man right i'm a uh i'm a hanata man <laughs> so i'm like actually never I've never heard of Jasmine Rice, but Declan Rice, man, in the midfield for Arsenal, he's been unbelievable this season. Like he is just playing off that pivot so well. I think him and Erdegaard have just been a really nice bond. But who is she? The the, the question asker. No, Jasmine Rice. Who's Jasmine? <laughs> I was talking about Declan Rice. He plays midfield for Arsenal. Yeah, I'm not sure who. <laughs> Man, that joke sailed so far over the head. <laughs> Jack's, Jack's still sitting there. What the? <laughs> Been a long day. Hey, I don't even go the Jasmine either. I go the medium grain. Like, Damn. I don't know. Like the Plebeians. Yeah. It doesn't even have an intricate name. You just go for the Woolworths brand medium grain. Nah, I'll get the Sunrise, mate. You know, come on now. I'm not struggling too too bad. I'm pretty sure that is Woolworths home brand nearly, to be honest. Oh, mate, let's be fair. Rice is rice. Like, what are we talking about here? Yeah, I think having had both... Declan Rice, Stephanie Rice, it's all the same. um, The Jasmine Rice does seem to be like a slightly smaller, um, like medium grain, whereas the Basmati Rice is like a slightly higher surface area. Like, it's a bit longer and and shallower. So, Mm. but yeah, I don't think you have to worry too much about whether you're having Jasmine Rice or or, uh, Stephanie Rice or... Mm. Declan Rice, <laughs> whatever his name was. What I'll do but, is audit the top 10 natural bodybuilders and ask them what their rice selection is. And then based off that result is the rice that then I would use. Mm. We're forgetting the most superior rice though. The cream of. Cream of rice. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it is goated, mate. It is goated. But surely in the cream of rice of choice, they would, they would be basically uh, gr- grinding down stephanie rice or basmati rice or jasmine rice so it goes there's levels to this you can't just say cream of rice because that's not correct i've also seen a declan thrown in the little mixer as well jerry rice as well i believe he was a uh nfl player famed nfl player it's a fairly common last name now that we run through a few options one thing i wanted to ask you like we know that um obviously nationals is this week for us um, like, have you started introducing any white fish yet? Because we know that's quite important in peak week. Asparagus as well, because aren't you, you know, dehydrating, yo? Mm, I can't afford it. So, <laughs> yeah, it's uh, it, my my placings this week made it financially uh, restricted, shall we say. Right. But no, I actually, 
I don't think I have had the only fish I've had in prep is like when I was still doing my salmon bagels and then tuna and tin salmon. That's basically it. Like even in previous preps, I've done like the bassa fillets, which are literally just like pure protein and a very good like low fat, low calorie protein option, I might add. But no, essentially I've been keeping it fairly similar to what I've been doing. Kangaroo mints, chicken. a lot. Mm. So yeah, you can see by the transparency of the skin that it's just not Mm. that like tilapia thin skin like you had last prep. But makes sense. You're eating roux now before you're eating bassa fillets, mate. A hundred percent. So well, that's the thing. Like I'm just interested to see how the roux travels um, over to Seattle. I reckon it'll be fine. What's it? Thirteen hours? No air? No uh, no fridge? We'll be right. Worst comes to worst, you're five kilos down overnight because you'll be shitting through the Ivan needle from food poisoning <laughs> from fucking kangaroo. The roo bites back, mate. mate. It does indeed. Mind you, there's probably a few Americans with some roos in the backyard. They keep all sorts of stuff over there. So if we get particularly dire straits, we'll, uh, we'll make it happen. Yeah. I'm but I was actually you. thinking, I don't even know what I'm going to take on the plane, man. Like, because I can't really take meat. Like, I was literally thinking of just taking like whey because I can just ask for them for some water and I can take a shaker on with me and just like rice cakes. Mm. What about like a, a, a few small cans, uh, tan, cans of uh, tuna, right? I mean, I, I guess they got liquid in them, right? But yeah, surely like everyone will want to kill me if I'm cracking open a can of tuna on the plane. Like that's not on. It's fine, man. I'll, I'll, I'll swap seats with you and you can sit next to Lani and eat it. <laughs> Mate, I, I thought you were going to be up in first class. <laughs> The budget didn't uh didn't allow it. My tax man said, "Mate, I can't fucking budget ten grand flying to America." I said, "Shut your mouth and do your job." Just bring about like five or six protein bars. You'll be fine. Mm, yeah, all of them with about what like six grams of sugar alcohols in each. That'll get us into that uh, middleweight class at the WNBF for sure. Yeah, easy. far out. I'm just picturing you in the uh in in the bathroom, like in the the toilet section, just eating your your cans of tuna. People out there just lined up in the in the aisle, like, why is this guy taking so long? Like, what's going on in here? Also, it smells horrible coming from this bathroom. There's just Lawrence sitting in on the toilet, just eating his yeah. can of tuna. And I've got like a chopsticks because I'm just unbelievably like hungry, so I'm just trying to slow it down, just eke out as much time as I can. Uh, I can just imagine Lawrence in his compression socks, wearing tights, pacing up and down the hallways of the uh, plane, sitting there with a tuna can in the hand. It's gonna happen, mate. It's just, honestly gonna happen. Just two hundred like people just death staring you as, as you're walking up and down the aisle. I remember seeing Alex Connors at the airport going to, I think it might've been one of his Spain shows when he was doing the IFBB and he's got like the full trackies on compression socks, jumper on like compression shirt underneath it to obviously try and stop as much water retention as possible. So I'm keen to see how you look in that fit Lawrence, Mm. but you're just a little bit bigger than him anyway. A smidge. Yeah. Just use physio tape instead. Like we'll just wrap you up in physio tape. Yeah, more compression. Actually, it's not the worst. I probably, I don't know. Like, I probably will just wear my like compression leggings just to be safe. But like, I think for someone who's eighty kilos, it's probably not a whole lot of fluid that can really be displaced. And we have like days when we get there, so Mm -hmm. I think it should be okay. The um, it should be should be quite cool at the uh, the WNBF Worlds. Like, I was sort of thinking the other day, like 
just to be able to meet everybody and sort of touch base with everyone will be a, a very very cool experience i've got um i've got aj bringing me some nbw drip as well i've asked him if he can bring some bits and pieces along with me for me which will be good and um well daddy helms is doing the WMBF brisbane now is it be very exciting yeah yeah because he, he unfortunately like because i i had actually messaged him about gyms in seattle because he was there recently and he said oh man like if i win my card up here like hopefully i don't have to do brisbane but he got third in what looked to be a very impressive lineup at that washington show to be fair um so yeah he's he's confirmed to be doing WMBF brisbane which will be very cool you know it'll be uh, an immense honor actually to stand alongside the great man he's taught me a lot over the years and he's someone i i think i could speak for us all that we like massively look up to so are you all going to be at WMBF brisbane yeah. Well, I know you yes. two are, but DY, are you going to be there? Oh, I'm not 100% certain yet. What weekend is it? Not next, this weekend. Next weekend. Next weekend. Maybe. Uh, I'll I'll see. See if my schedule allows, you know? Yeah, yeah. No worries, busy. mate. No, no. All good. All good. <laughs> Lawrence, who? <laughs> <laughs> Never heard of her. So, this next question. Why don't we discuss the recovery diet a bit more and maybe give some practical topics on... Because I think the last time we discussed the recovery diet, it was mainly around like the psychological aspect, which granted is is probably the major topic. But I think some people are still confused about like whether they do a reverse diet or whether they do a recovery diet and and what they should do in terms of cardio. So why don't I sort of address the nutrition and then um, and then you guys can chime in and then someone else can do maybe the cardio and, and that sort of stuff. And then maybe one of you can do training as well. So I think from a nutrition standpoint, as we would have touched on last time, like it's just important to basically start regaining back some body body fat and, and therefore body weight, because that's going to assist you most in terms of uh, regaining um, a decent uh, energy availability and and start recovering across all capacities, both um, physiological and, and psychological. So I think it's all well and good saying like, I usually say five to 10% of your stage weight in the first four to eight weeks. But I think most people would struggle not gaining too much as opposed to um, gaining too little. Sure, there are some people who don't gain enough, but I think they're, they're few and far between. So I would I would not really worry too much in the first couple of days. Like, I think enjoy yourself because I think maybe if you try and restrict immediately and and try and be too meticulous like you might sort of increase your inclination to overeat or binge later on so i think it's very normal to have go out and, and ha enjoy yourself for the, the night of and, and maybe the next day and just being sensible like trying to focus on i think as lauren said last time like don't allow yourself free reign for the whole day like hold yourself to maybe three or four meals or three meals and a snack and um and enjoy yourself and then and then maybe getting a baseline weight afterwards, because naturally you would have increased in body weight. Um, you might already be up like, let's say three or 4% um, or even 5% um, the next couple of days later, and then sort of maybe adjusting your macros and calories based on that weigh in, as opposed to maybe overinflating your macros from the get-go, assuming that you haven't had those overindulgent meals immediately afterwards. So that's kind of something I would do, but um, it's important to regain weight in essence, but um not too quickly and, and not too slowly either so there is a, a middle ground and i would say 
if I had to give a black and white answer, I think it's probably better to gain weight a little bit too fast rather than too slowly, because then at least you recover as fast as possible um, from a physiological standpoint, as opposed to um, being hormonally compromised for uh, for months on end. So um, yeah, any of you guys want to add to that? Yeah, definitely. I think, so I think, you know, everybody's recovery is going to look immensely different. Um, you know, recovery phase for, uh, I guess a bodybuilder who, you know, got down to extremely low levels of body fat might look a lot different to, you know, um, a bikini athlete as an example, but even, you know, within IFBB, the bikini athlete, you know, they have to get extremely lean. Right. So I think allowing for yourself, just like you said, Jack, a couple of days of, of sort of freedom of sorts within, within means, I think is an important piece because no doubt you're going to have people around you that want to celebrate your success within the six, the season, uh, and you, you know, owe, owe it to them in, in respect to, cause they've obviously, you know, supported you through the, throughout the entirety of your, you know, contest prep, you likely want to allow some celebration in there, but I think having some routine and structure is an important piece. Definitely. Um, you know, I think increasing body fat back up to, you know, I'd say at least 10% above stage weight within that first, you know, four to six weeks is, is probably important. Somewhat leveraging, maybe even up towards fifteen percent for someone who is, you know, much much leaner. Uh, so, you know, some of your your bodybuilding men and women, maybe up by fifteen percent might actually be more viable in terms of promoting uh, optimal, you know, recovery. I, I, I suppose, but um, I think it's just important to have some sort of routine in place. You know, it's very easy for a lot of competitors just to kind of throw the entirety of of routine out out the window and just kind of eyeball and and you know, really it's almost like throwing the skill set out that you've utilized for the last 25 weeks and all of a sudden just trying to rely on, you know, intuitive eating, which, you know, I don't think personally intuitive eating is even a thing in the recovery phase because your intuition is fully telling you to just eat every single thing in sight and just hang out by the cupboard for the entirety of the day, just kind of feasting. So, you know, I think it is important to sort of pace yourself a little bit and, I think be really reflective, you know, on, on, on what you're consuming and your behaviors in around food. And you kind of need to like catch yourself out when you're doing some, you know, silly things. So uh, one of the things that I would try and sort of instill within myself was when I was having a meal out, I would think if I was in a typical off season right now, what, what would I usually order? Would it be, you know, one meal and maybe like a side, you know, would I maybe order one meal and something to share with it, with a partner, like for, for example, with Nicole, um, you know, I think that's an important piece because I don't think enough competitors pace themselves. They sort of go out for a meal out and they think, oh my God, man, look at this menu. There's 30 items on here. Like, it's almost like I'm not guaranteed that I can eat tomorrow. So I'm going to eat everything in sight, you know, from the get-go. So I think it is important to sort of pace yourself out a little bit. Food will be there. You know, we, we <laughs> you can go down to, to Coles or Woolworths. There's going to be plenty of food there. There's plenty of selections of restaurants around you. Like they're not going anywhere anytime soon. So it is important to pace yourself in that, in that regard. So I, I would just, you know, have, have a, have a strategy in place really, you know, I think it is a common piece for a lot of competitors to sort of immediately finish their show and then sort of jump away from the idea of, you know, having a coach or keeping the coach in the equation. It's like, okay, you know, the, the, the season's done and dusted now it's time to, you know, cease coaching. I've achieved what I wanted to, but I think it is important to have someone there who, you know, is, is sort of critical of your decisions and can kind of guide you through, through that recovery phase. Because I think for a lot of competitors, if it's not handled correctly, it can result in, you know, potentially some long-term uh, eating disorders in and around food and sort of a very altered psychology around body image 
and um, even even bodybuilding as a whole. Like I know some competitors who kind of resent the idea of competitive bodybuilding now because they they've they've had such a, a traumatic you know recovery recovery phase in that token. So you know it is really important to kind of have somebody there to guide you along that process. I think also like not not expecting the hard work to suddenly be done once you finish the comp. Like sure, the majority of the hard work is done in the sense that you finish your season, but you're still going to require just as much mental fortitude and willpower in the recovery phase than you do in prep to not go above and beyond and, and overboard. Um, but in terms of cardio and, and training, what would you say, DY, on, on those topics? For the training side of things, I somewhat have like a little bit of a similar approach to what you might have with the recovery diet with like, especially like those first couple of days, like coming out of show, like realistically, you've been training for X amount of time. Every single session's probably been on the same machines to an, to an extent you've been running a majority of the lifts. So what I normally do for my clients is I'll be like, have like four to five days. If you want to get in the gym, you know, do a couple of sessions, maybe play with some new machines. I'm like, well, I'm going to get your program done up on the weekend. I'm like, run a couple of sessions through the week you know experiment with some new exercises that you see maybe they haven't been running a bulgarian split squat or a hack squat for a while and they've been thinking about it. i know lawrence is probably similar he's been in prep for so long he's probably thinking about the exact machines he already wants in his new program so i'm like have a little bit of a week off in terms of training maybe get some pump sessions in play around with some new exercises as they send it to me and then maybe make up a new program that week after. So then that way you have a program to go along with your dieting phase. Um, you know, if you're going to be putting on 10% of body weight within that next six weeks, like that five to 10%, make sure you're training, make sure you're making it productive. You're going to make some phenomenal little strength gains coming out of it, going from like, you know, 5% body fat to like, you know, maybe 10%, like, you know, that strength is going to go up very nicely. Make sure you have a good training program that you're enjoying. You could probably reduce some of the actual like training load for that initial stage, considering that you're probably not going to be in the best possible position to be putting on large amounts of muscle mass. But at that exact same time, have a training program, have some goals in line, like in terms of lifts, new training, like lifts that you actually want to implement, um, maybe a new training cycle, maybe you've been running push-pull legs for a long time and you want to mix it up, run an upper lower, upper lower, something a little bit different, but have a plan to go along with that nutritional plan as well. And in terms of cardio, it really depends on how much cardio they've been doing. Um, there's no point on keeping five six sessions of an hour long cardio in there and it's just going to bury you in terms of actual energy availability um so find that sweet spot where you can reduce maybe some of that cardio alongside the excess calories that'll be going in to put you at that good little sweet spot in terms of like the rate of gain you want if dropping out every bit of cardio is going to have you you know gaining a kilo a week maybe that might not be the play for example with a bikini girl maybe you might be able to have two cardio sessions still in and slowly dampen them off as the calories go up um it really depends on how much cardio the individual is doing and the same goes for the steps as well um you know obviously trying to keep that rate of gain in that little rate that you want it to and if that means keeping some cardio in to you know offset a bit of the calories that are going in then so be it but at the exact same time like you know you can also pull down the, the calories as well I think that's a good, good, good point of call there with with the cardio. Like I think a lot of competitors post post show or post season are in such a habit and a routine of achieving set amount of steps, you know, each and every day within their contest prep that it's kind of nice to still have that sense of routine in place. So you know, still opting for maybe a step goal throughout the recovery phase, but just that step goal is obviously you know far less. Um, I think it just helps to keep some sense of routine in place as opposed to hey, let's not even worry about steps anymore. Um, you know, training routines all over whack, all over the place. All of a sudden there's no, 
you know, example meal plan in place or macro targets or anything like this. It's sort of, you know, I think that's really where a lot of competitors can struggle is just not having that concept of plan structure, you know, routine as well. Yeah, I think, yeah, routine is key because like if you think the prospect of someone regaining weight, losing the lines plus losing routine as well, they just feel even worse because they potentially feel bad about themselves on, on top of, on top of it all. But yeah, Lawrence, what do you have anything to say? I think your your cardio will probably increase uh, once you finished the, the season. Yeah, mate, I, I foresee there being like seven days of probably 20,000 steps plus, to be honest, if based on what I've spoken to friends and stuff that have been to New York, you just end up walking a gazillion steps. But I think like for all of that, you know, you boys have all made such good points. I think that for me, Probably the biggest thing looking back at my last recovery diet that I want to improve on is just being like a little bit more mindful when I am having those like meals out. And not that I had like a bad recovery diet last time. Like there was probably only one one evening where I like kind of, well, really overdid it. Like I've mentioned that on the podcast before, but I think what DC mentioned is really good. And like, it's some a strategy that I want to be quite intentional about is like, even in that first night post-show, like when we go wherever we're going to go, like sit down and go, okay, like Lawrence, you're an adult. You're not going to eat like a kid here. What would you typically do? Okay, cool. You're going to order a nice main. You're going to enjoy it. Maybe if there's some starters floating around, whatever, you're going to get a dessert. And that's fine because you've got seven days of holidaying where you're going to eat plenty of nice food. And I just think like, you know, in the past, i and probably in 2020 i just assumed i'd be okay because during the prep my food focus was low my routine was great i was like yeah this is gonna be a breeze but i wasn't intentional about actually trying to be mindful around those meals out so that's definitely going to be something that i'm gonna like implement and actually like you know actually like say out loud like at the start of the day what my plan is what my intentions are and just be very explicit about it so that when i get into those situations i know what I want to do because I think we can all agree that, you know, the idea of a perfect holiday for us going overseas, yes, part of it is is getting out of our routine. Yes, part of it is enjoying some meals that maybe we don't get to have, but part of it as well as us coming home, knowing that we're still in a good position, that we've at least ticked the basics when it become when it comes to being a good bodybuilder. So like for me, I know that it will sour my view of this america trip a bit if i come home and i'm just like way overblown compared to what i wanted to be so yeah just having that mindfulness component is probably going to be the biggest thing for me and then as far as training goes like yeah we'll try and get some sessions in in america obviously um some bigger sessions that we want to hit up and then probably just trying to do like a little bit of a pump even each day just to like get some blood moving um and then what i'll probably do is like i'll get home on the thursday I won't train that day, might train the Friday because Fridays are usually a rest day. But then the Saturday, Sunday, I was just going to go in, do one upper session on the Saturday, one lower on the Sunday. And I just like feel through some stuff, you know, just like get on some machines that I haven't for a while. Um, probably keep them at almost like a deloady type session, um, to be honest, like maybe just run like some baseline numbers on a few bits and pieces, keep it pretty chilled. Um, and then from the following week, when I'm back at work, like from that Monday, that'll be when I'll start like my, my mesocycle properly, which will be good. Like, are you thinking coming back, what, like would 85, 86 be a success or is that too much? Do you think? Uh, 
I would really like it to not be, I think 85 and below, I would be like, oh, even that sounds like a lot, man. I don't know. It's like, it is, it is two weeks. Like, yeah. but yeah, it's so at hard. least you can hold it though afterwards. Like you can let it, let yeah. it settle. And that's the thing, man. Like, I mean, my, like we've been reversing up. So like the chances are by the time we've probably, cause we'll probably add some more food in, um, in terms of keeping the reverse going. So I'm probably going to be like, reverse like recovering out from about 350 somewhere around their grams of carbs so it's like you know we're probably going to increase straight up to 500 or something in that ballpark which is an amount of food that yes you're still going to be hungry but it's like that's it's a decent amount of food so i would say that for me you know i think i would like to try make it maybe more like 84 um if it was somewhere around there and then be able to just sort of slowly eke up from there as well but I also think it would be good to kind of get some of that stuff out of my system before I come back home. Um, because when I come back home, like obviously Gemma and I will go for like a nice dinner and, and whatnot. And my family want to do a dinner with me, but at least the immediacy of like new foods is not going to be sort of as palpable as it, as it is in that first like one to two days. Cause let's be honest, like that's when you enjoy it the most. Like I'm sure people that have had, say like that free day post-show and it turns into a free week like are you really enjoying like i don't know that like third pizza on day eight post-show and you've just been like sending it like probably not it's it's just in the moment that it tastes so good Mm. um so yeah staying mindful is probably gonna be the biggest thing for me i think that's actually such a great point like enjoyment factor because everybody almost locks in on the enjoyment factor associated with eating that next meal or that, you know, just eating ridiculous portions post-show. But I can guarantee you a majority of competitors at that point hate hate how they feel, hate how they look. And it makes the recovery phase, which should be great in the sense of like, now we're starting to get back to an optimal point of health. It's almost like a resentment towards, towards this food. Mm. Um, and it shouldn't be the case. You know, you should be enjoying the extra food realistically. So I think that's a really important point that you touched upon, Lawrence. Yeah. The the final point I'll make is on that note is like the anticipation of the food is always better than the end result. Like how often do you finish like three pizzas post-show and like, oh, that was so much better than I thought it would be. <laughs> like it's it's always the the anticipation leading up to the, the event. Um, so, and that's something I tell myself as well. Like, um, if I'm ordering from a menu post-show, like, um, what, how am I going to feel after I eat all this food? Chances are I'm going to feel worse than I do right now. So I just need to be sensible, order the, order the right amount. Um, but yeah, that pretty much wraps up this episode. Thanks everyone for tuning in. If you enjoyed it, you can leave a rating or review on Spotify or Apple podcasts, and we'll catch everyone next week. 